0: Welcome to the Key and Mang audio experience, where you're here from two up and coming therapists looking to enhance the lives of listeners by addressing health, wealth, lifestyle, and overall growth. Tune in to hear the latest lessons learned on the Key and Mang audio experience. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Key and Mang audio experience. I'm your host, Mang. As always, and my fellow co host, Key. Key, what's good?
1: What's up, Mang? How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm great. Can't complain.
0: Love it, love it, love it. On this episode, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Sophia Varis, whose mission is to empower women to shatter limits and break barriers through lifting weights. Sophia, what's good?
1: Sweet, what's up, guys? I'm excited to be here and excited to chat about things, all strength training women and beyond.
0: Ah, thanks Thanks for joining us on the pod. We'd like to open up with getting to know our, our guests on the pod, so can you kind of tell us a little bit about how you got to the point where you're at right now?
1: Uh, definitely, uh, I guess kind of like 30-minute elevator pitch. Uh, I was actually the only girl on the men's wrestling team in high school. Uh, So that's kind of how I got my start in strength training. I was pretty much the only girl in the room with all the boys on the wrestling and football team. Um, Ended up liking with it. Stayed with wrestling for about 10 years. Eventually was looking for another sport to do and kind of transitioned into powerlifting. Um, but through these experiences, I've really appreciated what it's like to be a female in male-dominated sports, um, and to shake up some tail feathers along the way. So that's kind of what drives my mission to the back.
0: Is it hard? Was it hard for you to be one of the oh, like the only female in in, the, in a man, in a male-dominated sport? Uh,
1: definitely, but it opened my eyes to a lot, and definitely kind of encouraged me to come out of my shell. Uh, I think the best was my very first wrestling camp I ever went to. I was the only female out of like 400 boys in high school, which is like petrifying. Um, but like you almost have to like force people to become your friends. Uh, so you have to like find a way to just be the alien in the room and start talking to people. And then you earn their respect by just working hard. And yeah. How did other females interact with you knowing that you were like into like the male dominant sports and stuff? Like, was it were they really acting a certain way with you? Um, not really. You know, I was thankful. Like I grew up in a really small town. So it was actually like a really supportive environment, which was awesome. Um, I I also played some other sports. I was on the soccer team in high school, uh, the women's soccer team. So I had a lot of friends there. Uh, I also did track. So I had my share friends all over the place. Like I was kind of that person who floated around and chatted with everyone. So it was nice to have the support of the community to like be there. It was more when I left the community that I think people were just like why is this girl on the men's wrestling team kind of thing?
0: Well, there are a lot of like negative um, thoughts or comments that you heard from other other uh, wrestlers or other people who you were competing against. Like, why is she here? Why is she competing with us? Like, she shouldn't be here.
1: Definitely. I uh, pretty much all comments I've heard along the way. Um, the wrestling ones. We're tough cause sometimes boys would like forfeit matches particularly if it went against, um, for example, like when we went against like Catholic schools, like it was very anti like, we're not gonna, you know, get in fights with females. So like, you know, it kind of went against traditional like moral standards people held on to and I'm like, no, it's okay, you can fight me. Um, so you have to almost kind of like advocate for yourself but some people would step out, other people would just, it was interesting to see the guys responses in particular. Uh, they'd either go kind of like soft, not knowing what I was capable of, or complete opposite and would just attack, being like, there is no way I'm going to lose to a girl. So I'm just going to beat her up. So <laughs> those were the yeah, responses I kind of dealt with along the way.
0: Did you ever experience any like self doubt or like question whether you were like supposed to be fighting other guys, like, or be in the weight room? Did you ever have moments of self doubt or has it always been? I'm supposed to be here, I want to be here, so I'm going to make my mark in in this this place.
1: Um, I think anyone who's ever done any form of fighting sport questions, why did I like actually volitionally sign up for this? Um, Because you have to get beat up a lot. Like realistically, if you want to be a good fighter, it comes at the end of a lot of getting your butt kicked. Uh, So so you definitely go through those thoughts in your head as you're going through those. but something about that fighter spirit that develops along the way is just the grit to keep going. Um, male or female, wrestling eats you up. Uh, and I think the great wrestler Dan Gable said, once you wrestled, everything else in life is easy. Um, so you learn how to kind of like push through those moments. Can you talk about how you got into um, lifting weights and into powerlifting after wrestling? Definitely. So uh, I accomplished my goals in wrestling. I actually ended up winning nationals, uh, which was kind of cool. While I was at nationals, I ended up getting a pretty nice skin infection common to uh, wrestlers. And that was kind of that moment where I was like, I've done everything I want to in this sport, not necessarily worth it to keep in it. Um, I kind of just became one of the casual gym goers and lost myself along the way, you know, enjoyed a little more of that party experience with PT school um just like going to the gym the center I would lift weights because that was all I kind of knew like pretty much hop on the elliptical 45 minutes to an hour and then like lift some weights Uh, but I had no direction I almost like really missed being an athlete uh and my best friend at the time pretty much I went through this really rough breakup and she was like hey you want to come lift weights with me uh I was like you know what that sounds like exactly what I need let's go uh she kicked my ass that day I pretty much couldn't lift like anything like my arms to even pick up a glass of water after it Um, but I was like you know what I need more of this back in my life like I miss that competitive outlet and then 10 years later haven't really looked back since what made you want to like kind of work with women and like just have kind of the, the mindset of like women should lift and like what made you develop that mission definitely I think just my experience with wrestling it was always that women were supposed to be less than for whatever reason. We were supposed to be at home, you know, taking care of the kids, cleaning dishes, whatever. Like, it's not about us advocating for ourselves. We're supposed to stay quiet. We're not supposed to have a loud voice in the room, make decisions for ourselves, shake up the tail feathers. Um, And I feel like women already have so many voices telling them no, but I want it to be that voice that says, yes, you fucking can. Um, So just kind of like really helping women realize like, You can do way more than what society thinks you can do even. Um, And I think you're really seeing that right now more than ever, there's almost been a movement uh, where girls are shaking it up. It doesn't even matter what sport women are playing. Uh, They're breaking records and we're working ourselves to keep up with the guys. Uh, I know a lot of girls who their competition isn't the females next to them. They're actually working to empower them. Our, our competition's like, hey, can we keep up with the boys? Can we show them, hey, we are just as capable of being on this platform and we can hit the same weights as you. Um, so that's kind of like the fun part that I get to do, just shake up tail feathers and cultural norms.
0: And when did that start for you? Like when did you start deciding, I wanna dive into this, this aspect of, of my life, of your life?
1: Um, it kind of just blossomed like throughout my wrestling and powerlifting years. I don't think there was one moment that I was like, this is the moment. It was kind of just this culmination of like facts. I think one of the things that really helped with powerlifting was having other women with me. Um, so for wrestling, it was very like dog eat dog and I'm on my own. Like I didn't really have any other girls to share that passion or that strength with. Um, But in college, I got to be on the Northeastern powerlifting team. Uh, And we pretty much blossomed as a women's team, starting off maybe like 10 to 15 girls. Uh, And we showed up 25 girls deep at nationals. And we started holding our own with the other competitive women's team, which is like Texas. And we were like this team of the North. So we were all trying to get behind this mission to like do it together. And that really made me see the community or how women can be more powerful if we work together versus just me by myself on the wrestling team. Um, So that's kind of how the greater mission grew in the background. What are some like barriers that you see that you deal with when it comes to trying to introduce women to weightlifting and kind of getting them to be a part of that community? Definitely. Uh, I think you run into different barriers along even different like ages, uh, particularly like women who may have grown up in a different time where we were traditionally the providers, like the older women, you know, it's funny. I went to um, my boyfriend's family wedding and his grandma so sweet, super cute. But like one of the women who just always lived her life for the men, like still keeping up with his grandpa's suit. And I'm like, no way am I taking care of your suit? You do your own thing. Uh, But just, I think women of that age, they're like, oh my God, you lift weights. Uh, so, so those are like the, oh, they don't even conceptualize women lifting. Uh, and then there's like, I would say maybe the younger cohort that they're going through uh, menopause right now. And they're seeing this cool trend throughout their lives where I would say maybe even the past 20, 30 years, we went from the quintessential women's figure used to be like Jennifer Aniston. And now it's like Beyonce and JLo are rocking the curvy figures. and. I think that women who are in their 60s now really saw that transition. Uh, so they're more likely to kind of be in the process of swaying their minds like, oh, wow, there's these younger girls lifting. And, and now there's some people lifting in my age and the masters. And they're like almost excited to get this new opportunity to do something they've never done. Um, in the like 30s, 40s, I think the biggest barriers are honestly motherhood, which is another reason I love helping women um, moms. Are like superheroes. They tend to sacrifice more than anyone else. Um, while you take a vacation on family vacation, mom is still like working and organizing. Um, so they almost find trouble saying no to people and being like, this is my time to go to the gym so that I can take the best care of you. Um, and then I think women my age are kind of like, you know, in that 20, 30 range they're really seeing the benefits of like, wow, there's girls lifting all over the place and they look like the way we wanna look. So that's probably the biggest cohort I've seen exploding in powerlifting. Uh, And then the young girls are still like, I think young girls in general have way better role models but they're still battling this like, who am I awkwardness that is that 14 to 16 year old range that we're all questioning what we're doing in life. Um, But yeah, so those are kind of different trends I've seen just along women and what may hold them back from the gym.
0: Do you have a hard time getting people to join your coaching programs or like breaking those, those, some of those myths down, or is it kind of a easier conversation to have now, once you can explain some of the benefits to getting in the weight room or strength training or resistance training?
1: Definitely. Um, within my niche, more of the people I attract tend to be power lifters. So they already know what they're getting. It's maybe a little bit harder to start someone who's never lifted before and be like, hey, we're going to lift weights and we're going to learn how to do this over the Internet. Um, So it helps to have some body awareness and like experience with the weight room. Um, That being said, there's ways to get everything done. So if someone wants to start and be like, hey, I want to do my first powerlifting meet and get this going, uh, you can definitely make it happen. People who are younger are really gravitating towards the virtual world. You know, it doesn't matter where your coach is. You just want someone who connects with you. Whereas before it used to be like, hey, it's usually the coaching town or like the coach who lives in your state that does it. So I'd say this age cohort, a lot easier to be like, hey, this is virtual stuff and this is how it's done. Um, I think maybe some of the older athletes prefer to have someone in person so that way they can get an actual eye on them to coach them up on their things like techniques or even like you know, I I do actually a lot of work with masters, lifters, and sometimes it's like, hey, you know, I love lifting. I'm afraid to maybe go 100% by myself. Uh, Whereas I have no problem like being in the gym by myself and setting up the racks and like, if you fail, you fail. I think that's a lot scarier when you're like 60 and you're like, oh, yeah, let me just throw caution to the wind and fail in the gym by myself. Um, So they may prefer having someone in place with them that they can, you know, get a spot if they need it. Can you talk about your experience with educating um, like the public on the different aspects to training for women. I know you have a couple of courses out that you developed. you like talk about the reason for doing that. And then also like how was the experience with putting it together, like putting together course. Definitely like how this all came to be. Um, Do you guys work more in the ortho setting? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think we've all come to appreciate how large of a gap there can be in ortho from ending physical therapy to return to performance. Uh, I'll tell you that gap is only bigger when it comes to pelvic health. Uh, So pretty much they're doing like the lowest level of exercises in pelvic health and then wondering why it's not translating to 200 to 300 pound squats. Um, It's pretty much as far like, you know, transverse abdominus stuff is great to bring awareness to an area but no way is that really going to carry over until you start progressively loading things appropriately. Um, I was lucky enough to have a pelvic health PT who was super progressive, and she helped me apply pelvic health principles with strength training principles to really apply it to that return to performance segment, so that it does have that meaningful change. Um, And so funny enough how my course ended up, coming to be, uh, Michael Mash of Barbell Rehab was my mentor in the Clinical Athlete Level Up Mentorship Program. And I had gone to a very popular pelvic health course that weekend. I've actually taken the full certification for pelvic health in this course and was like almost a little disappointed by the course that I had taken. I was like, I can't even believe they're still preaching this really old school stuff. Like, You know, they were citing rat studies. It was that bad. There was no studies to support the intervention being performed, being sold by this, probably the most popular pelvic health company. And I was just like, this is crap. We need to put out something better than this. Uh, So that's kind of when he was like, you know what? I actually could use some coaching up or like knowledge about pelvic health and return to performance. Uh, So I ended up putting on like a private seminar for Michael and just taught him, hey, this is how you would work the pelvic floor with squatting with the barbell. Um, And then from there, he was like, do you want to create a whole course of this? Uh, So I expanded it to be pelvic health related, and then also focusing on pregnancy, which is another topic, I think that it's still that in between between like, some providers are like, yes, keep moving the whole time. And others are like, no bed rest, you're pregnant, you shouldn't be doing anything. Um, But in reality, there is a lot of evidence to support Uh, Activity in this population, so I really expanded it to be unique considerations for the female barbell athlete. Really thinking about different points across the lifespan. Sorry, that's my long ramble about it. (laughs) Do you are some of your clients in that like pool of people who have who have like are in that that situation, like whether they're postpartum or are pregnant, but they still want to continue to train. Definitely. Uh, I just had probably one of my best case examples. So she was previously competitive powerlifter or did like one meet, but always very active bodybuilding, some form of lifting background. Uh, She was determined to strength train throughout her whole pregnancy, adjusting things as appropriately, but, you know, was like, Hey, let's keep this going. Uh, had a super supportive midwife doctor team that was very progressive. Her midwife was like, don't stop strength training. Uh, So she really like, you know, Honestly, she was in great shape and could go the whole time. She strength trained up until two days before delivering the baby. Modified, of course, at that point, but still hitting a little barbell stuff. Uh, Had no pain at any of this. So no pelvic pain, no SI pain, no low back pain, nothing like that. Um, She had no pelvic floor issues during this time, had a really great natural delivery along with her birth plan. And she's already, I mean, granted, she's still in the six week timeframe now, But she's up, moving around, walking with the baby, can move the baby around, do everything she wants. Uh, And that's the type of prenatal care, really, or like, you know, pregnancy and postpartum care that all women deserve. Um, So I want to teach more personal trainers how to deliver that. uh, So that way, moms can feel nice and strong throughout their whole pregnancy and then come back a little bit faster in the postpartum.
0: So when it comes to having that kind of information and having a case study like that of knowing, okay, my stuff, like what I'm teaching works. How do you go about making sure you get that message across more people than that might be interacting with pregnant patients or moms that want to get back into weight training or anything like that?
1: Definitely. Uh, I think education is the biggest key, which is why you know I try to do things like educate with a course or webinar. Um, I think case studies, just like I mentioned that client Um, You know, I posted her videos left and right. Every time she tagged me, I just re tagged it. More people started seeing it and they were like, wow, she's looking great. She's moving well. You know, how do you adjust things? Um, And so I think with an open mind and seeing more women do this realistically, I mean, while crazy, some women do things like run marathons uh, and stuff during pregnancy. So you can really always keep the mom safe, of course, and modify appropriately. But if someone's already trained, uh, for whatever activities that they do they can generally keep going with those activities with modifications of, as needed appropriately uh, so they're not stressing particular areas so you're very like I feel like the community you work with they know you're very knowledgeable and like as like you have the education behind you do you think that uh, having a DPT do you think that if you didn't have that do you think it would be more of a like issue because I feel like with Personal trainers, I think personal trainers are great, but I feel like some PTs and coaches like kind of like look down on it. But do you think that if like, you didn't have the DPT, but still like we're knowledgeable about this, do you think it would change things for you? I think people find comfort in the credentials, but we know that letters can be the alphabet soup behind your name. If you're not actively practicing and, you know, providing the the highest level evidence care, then the alphabet soup behind your name doesn't really matter. So I think that the credentials help other people have confidence, but I don't think that's all of the knowledge that I bring to the table. Um, In general, I think what the DPT allows you to do is practice safe clinical care, right? Their main goal isn't necessarily to turn you into the best physical therapist of all time, it's to make sure you're safe, you you know your red flags and you have no emergency situations happen on you and that you pass your boards. That's really what PT school provides you to do. And then you can get that extra knowledge as you'd like to with continuing education courses. Um, Reasons I got partnered with Barbell Rehab is because I loved what he was doing for that middle ground that you just described. Um, So we teach physical therapists how to do more progressive loading for the PTs that have barbells and stuff in their clinic and they can get those patients loading, awesome. And then we also teach personal trainers how to modify training in the face of things like pain, pregnancy, et cetera. Um, we've built a nice database where we have, for example, the barbell rehab certified um, professionals on there. And I know that if I dig through there, I can find someone in an area that has the knowledge that would be appropriate to modify things if needed. Um, so I think the more people do those kind of things, the more I think providers will have confidence referring to personal trainers, knowing that they have higher level training and personal trainers will feel just as comfortable sending those um, clients to a very progressive PT who's not gonna tell them to stop training, right? Uh, And so really bridging that gap and turning it into a referral network versus a battleground of who deserves to do treatment.
0: You've talked a little bit about like all the different hats you wear as a PT, a powerlifter, a coach, an uh, online course creator. How do you navigate all the interests that you have and not get overwhelmed? Because I feel like for me, as I start to like find things I'm more interested about, I'm like, oh, I want to learn this and I want to learn this. And then but it's like you don't take the time to apply it and you kind of get lost in the information overload how do you navigate all the new information and still not get overwhelmed
1: uh definitely that's a great question i'd say there's never a point where you're not overwhelmed because there's always more you can learn right we can dig ourselves into any rabbit hole of the internet and like learn anything which is awesome these days um What's helped me the most was having a very structured, disciplined schedule. Uh, So I'm lucky to have the mentorship of uh, this business mentorship group called the Honey Badger Project. And they helped me build a business that would allow me to wear all these hats. Um, I would say I, I was actually more overwhelmed when I was in the clinic working 30 to 40 hours a week with 10 hours of patient paperwork plus still coaching and trying to lift myself and after developing the course at the same time. Uh, so when I didn't have the structure where I controlled my schedule, it was worse than now when, okay, I have two hours here. I'm going to time block that for content creation. And that's my brain creative time. And then I have these hours here and these are my client check-in calls and I'm going to just talk to people. So I get into a different frame of mind um, you're in the office where all this happens right here, too. So you can see it. Um, but I'll structure the schedule so I have the right brain power for different tasks based on how my energy levels work. Uh, and that's just how I found for me to best be able to do all the things. Um, that being said, you definitely get tired. You know, if you've ever coached at a powerlifting meet, those hit you like a ton of brick every time. And then you still go on programming. You just have a little extra coffee and try to get to bed earlier that night. Can you talk about? your experience with leaving the clinic and going full-time with business? I know you said you're less overwhelmed, but can you talk about how you felt like in detail when you were doing the business stuff, while you were still doing 40 hours in the clinic and then like your experience with leaving it and then like how you feel now compared to when you did before? Definitely. Uh, To be honest, it was pretty brutal, (laughs) but I survived. And honestly, sometimes like life works out for you in ways that you don't even see it for yourself. Um, so remember that doctors are not always the best listener of their own advice. So when I say this audience know that this is not healthy lifestyle habits, anyhow, I was sleeping like maybe four to five hours a night. I'll be honest. I was getting up at 430 in the morning, programming stuff before I went into work, which could be seven or 10, you know, clinic office life, um, plowing through the day, working through lunch, staying at the office late driving home, maybe getting training in if it's an early day, or just driving home to turn around and do it the next day, squishing in a little bit of more programming or check-ins at night to do the same thing in the morning. Um, I had actually gotten one of the opportunities of my lifetime during this. I was doing the clinic, making the course, all of this, and all of a sudden I got an invite to the Arnold Sports Festival. Um, It was something I'd been hunting down for years. And I was like, oh, God, this is not the time for me to take this on. Uh, But when you get that invite, you can't say no. So I was stupid enough to say I'm going to sign up for the Arnold. Uh, At a certain point, I I debated dropping out. I was just like, oh, my gosh, you're going to make an idiot of yourself. Like, this is a terrible idea. Um, But I just kind of talked to myself and was just like, you know what? This isn't the athlete you are now. This is the athlete you've been your whole life. What you're going to do is you're just going to pull yourself together Adjust the game plan appropriately, make it foolproof, take some lower attempts if you have to, and then take the game day that's there that day. Um, Who would have guessed that on four hours of sleep with the craziness, I would have one of the best meet day performances of my life. Uh, Went nine for nine on a stage in front of thousands of people and won a grand prize check. Uh, so you never know what's possible. Like, even if you're breaking down and you're like, I'm not sleeping, I'm crying and having panic attacks, you can just like still keep moving. Granted, that is not sustainable. It was a short-term strategy all along. And I kind of knew what I was building. Um, but you'd be surprised at the stuff you can kind of pull together out of your butt if you have to.
0: That's big time. (laughs) Congrats. What's your favorite lift to compete in? Ooh, I'd have to, ah.
1: It honestly balances, let's be real. It always goes with the lift that you do better in. I think there's different personalities to the lifts themselves. Uh, I love being a big bencher, you know, let's be. But being a big bencher is about being technical, being very methodical, right? It's not an intense, aggressive lift. Like my most animalistic primal self does not come out benching. But my fun loving, hey, this is bench time. This is what I love doing comes out then. Um, but I would say deadlift is my favorite to go Hulk mode on. Um, that's kind of just like back smack. That brings me back to the wrestler days where it's just like, you're going to fight through this regardless of how heavy it feels. Uh, also helps it's the last lift you have to do. So you can really do just like an energy dump. Uh, squat, you still have to be like, oh, I have six more lifts to go through after this. I have to watch what I'm eating, yada, yada. But deadlift just falls to the wall, leave it out there. I also think bench is one of those lifts that it doesn't seem like girls should be doing so i don't know i like bench too (laughs) it's definitely not something you you would expect well at least some people would expect girls to be doing um i want to ask did your experience as being like the only woman in the room to wrestling and having to develop that like toughness and grit does that help you in like your business building now Definitely. Uh, it's kind of like that Dan Gable quote I mentioned before, where it's like, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. Um, where like, even at points where I was just like, oh, know, is this going to work? Like, I was like, no. So if you've made anything work, like you can make it work. You just have to find a way. Uh, and that's what wrestling taught me. Like, you just have to find your way. Uh, and so wrestling also taught me actually like how to keep going when you get knocked down, which 100 percent applies to the business. Uh, so while I was a national champion at the end, I will tell you that my freshman year, I ended up on the varsity high school wrestling team and of the 30 something matches that I wrestled in that year, I won only one of them. Um, so pretty much got my ass kicked 30 times in front of everyone. Um, and then I was like, I want to get better at this. How do I not do it? And so, you know, I went to wrestling camps, did all the work, did all the strength room stuff, everything my coach told me to do. And then over the years, the ratio of wins to losses changed. Uh, And that's what you have to really see yourself as a long-term athlete is changing that ratio. Because before you can ever win 31 times and only lose once, you start at the opposite and it just kind of switches down. Um, So I'd definitely say those skills of just catapulting losses into successes is probably the biggest thing that influenced my business practice.
0: Can you talk about some of the L's that you took? in the business side of things and things you wish could go back now and and tell other people if they're going through a similar journey? Definitely.
1: Uh, God bless my clients. I love them all. And they were incredibly flexible and understanding of all the crazy stuff that I was doing. Um, You know, if stuff was just not perfectly programmed, like, you know, at least always made sure you had the first day or two of the week. And I was like, once I get to this day, the rest will be up there. And they were like, all right, sounds good. And I was like, comments are coming. I just tried to keep the lines of communication open, um, but I was definitely buried. And there were just some situations I wish I could have given more time and attention to. And you just heard, I did not have the time and attention to. And so uh, that's the biggest change now that I work for myself is I have that time and attention for people. Um, so I'm just very thankful to, for the people who are very patient with me during the time where I just didn't have as much of that time and attention. And they are getting like beyond time and attention now. So they like really saw me blossom during this time. So I've had some, some of my lifers, some of my very first clients are still with me. Um, and they've seen what it's like, you know, at my peak, A plus, and they've also seen me at my C and B, but they've taken me and, you know, they know that I care about them more than anything. And so that's why I think they stuck with me. Um, but I did lose some people along the way because of that. And that was unfortunate. Um, and those are just the loss that I have to take. I was like, oh, darn, you know, I know I, I could have done better for this person. Um, sometimes it just wasn't even the right fit. I think that was another one too. So now I'm really particular about my niche, which I know sounds so dumb. They hammered away at you in the beginning, right? You're like, the niche, why am I just going to limit myself to one person? Uh, I will say I've built my platform for that female barbell athlete who has a little bit of experience with this. Uh, gen pop training is awesome, but it, I'm just... The program isn't built for that. They need a little bit more time and attention than I can give. And maybe some of the cues don't always like come together well. So I think that because of that, there was a mismatch of expectations and work, you know, like this kind of program, I think does better for someone who can just take the program. They do it. They consult you when they need a little help, but they're a little bit more self-sufficient. You're teaching that training process. of you know, that's a development as an athlete. I know what I'm capable of and not capable of in a day. And I can regulate that during training without needing every like question answered all the time. Whereas I, th- I think the people who have a ton of questions just maybe weren't the right fit. So that was the tough part too, is now I'm very selective about the niche, but I have awesome referral network and I'll make sure they get to the right person who can give them that time and attention that they need. So I think just matching expectations all around was the biggest struggles throughout.
0: And do you have a process for finding, you know, attracting the... The lifters that you're trying to attract into your community?
1: Definitely. You know, I've been lucky enough to find that they kind of gravitate towards me with all the stuff I do. So that kind of like a female barbell athlete uh, in the powerlifting realm. Most people know me from the community. So, some of the other hats that I wear in powerlifting, uh, I am a national referee. So I'm there refing all the time. People see my face. I'm probably one of the first people who's weighed people in at their very first competition. Maybe they didn't have a coach and they were lost and I was the person who helped them, um, something like that. So they know me through the community or maybe someone in the community referred me to them uh, or like I do a lot of the uh, athlete education camps. That's helped me get people. So I think I just find people more in the community or through word of mouth within the community. Um, it's not as many kind of like random people or one that I've actually found that I love. I may even turn to a sub niche. This is kind of what I gravitated to along the way is the women who got burnt out. So I've been in the sport 10 years enough to see some girls who loved it. Like, you know, for the first two to three years and they got burnt out and they left and they dropped off, but I was still friends with them on Instagram. Um, and I, you know, almost helped them get back into it and find their love for the sport again and then find balance within the sport. Um, So that was another way I kind of just, I knew people who had previously been involved who maybe didn't have the best experience. And I wanted to give them a better experience so that they could love this for life. What is your advice for not getting burnt out when it comes to powerlifting? Definitely, Uh, I think it's just maintaining a long-term love of physical activity. Uh, In my PT time, I've come to appreciate that the most in-shape 90 year olds we see in the clinic are those who've loved some form of activity. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, swimming, biking, XYZ, just something to get you moving all the time. Um, and so I don't think that powerlifting has to be it forever. Like if you want to powerlift forever, I tell totally, you there's strategies for that, but I think long-term you need to just maintain the love of physical activity. So sometimes I get a little burned out with powerlifting, it happens. The SBD are fun, but you know, three to four times a week, every week, 10 years later, I need a little, Spice to life. Uh, So I mix it up with some strongman training sometimes. It's still strength, but they're more dynamic movements. Maybe they're a little more strategically challenging. Um, The weightlifting movements are super fun to mix into. That's a whole new technical realm. Um, I'm also handling lighter weights. So if maybe I'm feeding beat up because it's weights, when I switch to weightlifting, the weights themselves are a lot lighter, but it's a lot more technical. So I can just have it be more of a brain. Technique time versus like, I need to get strong right now. Um, So I've always had strength training in some form, whether it be other movements, things like that. Uh, And then I think I also like to take physical activity trips. So hiking, spending time in nature, doing something not powerlifting related, yoga, rock climbing. um, You know, when people are just like, hey, do you want to do this random activity with me that's physical? I'm like, yeah, sounds good, could be fun, and learn something new. Um, So I think just having that willingness to try things, change it up a little bit when you feel like you're getting to that level of burnout. I think the hardest part is rescuing yourself you're already burnt out. But if you're feeling like, I'm not enjoying this anymore, that's that indicator to switch it up and um, shake up training. So do you coach clients through that? Like say they come to you for wanting to power lift and then as you're going through they kind of get tired of it and want to pivot, do you still work with them through that? Definitely. Uh, You know, if you want to do a strongman show, we can have some fun. Uh, You know, I'm not maybe the person to coach you to world's strongest woman, but I I could totally coach you to a nice local level strongman meet to shake it up or through some weightlifting movements, things like that. Uh, Some people are also rehab based bridging the gap. So it may be just different movements towards one day wanting to be the squat bench deadlift, but maybe something now um, that's a lighter version of what they can tolerate, whether block pulls, goblet squats, something like that. Um, So I'll totally shake it up. I have some people that I program cardio days for some people, like I have a one guy who's seriously getting into rock climbing. So I strategize how he can strength train around his rock climbing. That was a new activity for him. Um, So I'm just like, Hey, let's strategize. I had to learn a little bit. I didn't know much about rock climbing, but I know dosage. And I'm like, well, you can't consume a huge dosage in a short period of time. So let's like, find a way to dose this and regulate it out.
0: Do you have a coach also? Uh,
1: I've had many coaches and I've resorted back to having many coaches now. So I, um, (laughs) granted, I uh, love my previous coach, Ryan Gleason. He just saw me through the world when training for the Arnold. Uh, And I think I honestly just needed something a little less programming wise that I could adjust to as I needed. So I ended up, um, We ended up having a peaceful, just walking away, but I still train there actually, at least in performance training. He's awesome. So I still like chit chat with him. But the nice part about this is I am now a, um, athlete of all. So I coach, I program for myself and then I hire people for game day coaching. Um, whoever's in the region, I have a great network so I can experiment with some different game day coaches. Um, I know how much I can do for myself. I know when I'm going to need a little bit more help. I have people I can consult if I need some help. If I'm like, oh, you know what, maybe I need another pair of eyes on this. Um, So I look up to guys like Jeremy Hartman is very helpful. Uh, I'll sometimes send him what I'm doing. And I'm like, hey, do you think this is crazy? Or is it going to, you know, put me in the direction I'm looking for? Uh, Leanne Blinn is another person I really look up to. I actually get the chance to coach with her now. um, But she's one of my idols. So she's like the Michael Jordan for me for like the powerlifting world. And like, she'll help me out. So it's nice to be able to change what I want when I need to. And then just like adjust. Okay. The day isn't there today. Maybe I traveled for a barbell rehab course. I'm a little jet lag. Let me scale back my RPE. Uh, so I take some inspiration from coaches like Mike to share that have that auto regulation So I really kind of married all my coaches into myself and my own training.
0: I asked that because when you're talking about different ways of switching up your routine with like burnout, and then I'm thinking back to, um when you were mentioning about getting ready for that Arnold in the middle of everything else going on I was like I wonder if she had a coach to help at least take down some of the stress that she was going through um and just helping her prepare for for that event
1: yeah uh Ryan was great for that you know like I there were definitely times I went into his office just crying and being like Ryan I can't do this right now uh I think the best was I at one point stapled myself benching, like, and I, I set the safeties just not high enough for me to be able to actually wedge myself out. Uh, so I just, I got like a nice scrape on my forehead as I was embarrassingly wedging out of this bench press, just blood coming down my forehead, going into his office being like, I can't do it today. And he was like, just go home. Uh, so I think in reality, you do need coaches that it's like, Hey, if you didn't get three times in the, like, or four times in or whatever your prescribed program is, whatever, like, you know, let's get it to the down and dirty. What do you need, like absolutely need and what can be optional? And like, we brought it down to just five exercises per day because and even that sometimes, like when you're thinking about sets and reps and things like that, five exercises can take a while. Um, So, you know, I pretty much cut out all the floof. I was just like, if if it doesn't need to be there, like we didn't do it. Uh, There was a certain point I was training at like 6 a.m. talk talk about done training decisions and like not sleeping and waking up at six and trying to like perform but it was the only time I could do it It was just like squish it in at six I would like bulldoze through six to seven thirty eight go home shower either go to work or just like bulldoze through some work um granted at 6 30 a.m you're probably not going to get many personal records if you do nice job because then the platform is going to be amazing um, but yeah, so we adjusted training a lot and I kind of just took what was there. And then if I had to walk out, I at least always tried, I would get through as much as possible. And if I just hit that wall where I was like, you know, I did not sleep enough for this, it's not even going to be productive. I would just come back and do it the next day. And that is okay. That's the long-term strategy for staying with it. through sort of stressful moments.
0: Just kind of dig deep, be resilient. Um, my next question for you, um, if you if let's say someone's listened to this or is following your work and they want to follow the path you've taken to building your audience to educating a lot of people around the world what would you say one to two things that they can start doing now to help get to where you're at
1: definitely i would say the two biggest things are take advantage of opportunities and then the second one is make opportunities for yourself uh so I'll admit that, after, so after PT school, let's be honest, none of us knew what we were doing, right? We're like, oh, we got doctorates, but how do we actually turn this into something? Yep, we've been there. Uh, I took an, internship. actually, as a doctor of PT, took an internship at a gym, the best strength training gym in Boston. Um, you know, learned a lot there and then became one of their group fitness class instructors. So while working full-time as a PT, I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, teaching group fitness class and then going in but I became that much better of a coach and lifter for it. Um, also got, you know, free gym membership. So that helped. Uh, I did a lot of assistant coaching for people. So like, for example, my old coach, Ryan, I had done so much assistant game day coaching for him. I've done game day coaching with a lot of other coaches. Uh, I got a chance to be an assistant coach on the junior world team, but those were the opportunities. They were just like, Hey, do you want to do this for the most part? I tend to say yes. Um, and Now I'm getting better. There are times you can say no, and that's an art in itself. Uh, but even you guys gave me the opportunity to be on this podcast. And I'm like, yep, sounds good to me. Let's make it happen. Um, so I think just the more you take advantage of opportunities presented to you, the more opportunities will come. You never know if someone heard me on this podcast and then, you know, they reached out to me because they wanted me to be on their podcast. So that connection network you never know what'll happen. And that's honestly how some of my greatest opportunities have been presented to me was just saying yes to things. And then you got to go above and beyond. So if you're going to say yes to it, you do got to go above and beyond on expectations there. Um, and then the other one is not being afraid to ask for those opportunities. Um, so I reg- reg- uh, recently actually just went to the women and girls and strength sports conference. And I was a speaker there I'll say that I asked for that opportunity. So I uh, connected with this ref at Nationals, Dana Snow, and she ended up having this organization. And you know, originally she saw that I was posting content on Instagram and stuff, and she wanted me to make maybe like an article for her website. So I went on her website, started digging around, saw that the conference was happening, looked at what they had going on for speakers, noticed that there were a few topics, which I would be capable of lecturing on, that said instructor to be determined. So I was just like, hey, also noticed this. Just so you know, I'm also an educator. Like, if you need someone, let me know. Um, she was like, you know, you know what? We're actually full up at this time, but I'll keep you in mind if something pops up. Boom, something popped up. First name she had in mind was the person who asked for that opportunity. So don't be afraid to be like, hey, there's a potentially opening there. I think I'm capable of making that happen. Uh, again, you go above and beyond expectations, crushed it there, and she asked me to do it again next year. So, you really never know what will blossom if you ask someone for some help along the way. Um, and they may just love helping people exactly like you get started and moving along your path. You said you were teaching group fitness classes and then going to work as a PT. Did you tell your coworkers what you had going on outside of work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think my coworkers are used to me doing uh, crazy things like that. I've definitely been one to push the limits for a while in terms of that. So, yeah, while doing that, coaching the group fitness class, working full time, I was also going for an advanced graduate certificate in orthopedics. So, still taking classes in college through this scholarship that I got in because of powerlifting. So, again, saying yes to opportunities, but Northeastern gave me a nice extra chunk of money after I spent the equivalent of a house to keep studying. Uh, so, that, that was kind of nice. But, yes, yeah, so uh, coworkers are definitely like, how do you do all this stuff? Definitely think just coffee and like a love of what I do. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just seeing the changes happen, you know, having people be like, Oh my gosh, you know, I was able to do X, Y, Z, or I was able to set this PR and, you know, having you in my corner helped. and, you know, I just love helping people. Um, so I think that just gives me the energy to keep bulldozing through it were your coworkers supportive of everything you had going on outside of work like I know you're building a business and you're in the PT field at least what I see like people don't think it's possible so like did you experience that yeah definitely so it's interesting and I hope my old boss doesn't hear this but he was definitely not supportive of me having like Even though it was a powerlifting coaching company originally, and I strategically did not say I was doing PT or rehab for the reason because I didn't want to ruffle his feathers. Ideally, I did see myself maintaining some form of clinical practice, and it just kind of did not work out that way, honestly, for the better. Um, But it was not met with the most excitement, naturally, when he saw I was making my own company. Uh, So that was definitely rough. it's kind of gone both ways where some coworkers are like, How are you doing it? Can you tell me the secrets? Cause I want out too. And then other coworkers are like, that's not feasible. Like it's not possible to work for yourself. Um, yeah. So I, I actually funny enough, have one of my old coworkers from the company I just left reached out to me. He got burnt out from PT. I think we've all felt it. And he backed down. He's now down to half of his workload and he's about to build up his own business. And I actually referred him to someone the other day um so I would love to help like support any co-workers that like supported it and those who questioned it I'm like hey it's possible like I know that you have your hesitations but I think they just need to open their minds and it's tough because like PT school did not lay out this path for us um but I think if they open their minds it's possible for them too.
0: What do you think about the the future of PT and what it turns into?
1: Ooh, that's deep. I have no. <laughs> I have no idea. It's it's so tough looking at it right now. Um, I do think that telehealth is the vision of the future. That's honestly why I left. Because uh, like I, the pandemic hit, like I was still full time in the clinic. Actually, that's how I started my own business was telehealth. Uh, so I kind of put my patients on spreadsheets. While, you know, we got partially laid off, we got to go into the clinic, two days a week, and then everyone else we had to retain, online pretty much through telehealth and I put people on programs as if they were powerlifters it was just a rehab-based program and it worked and that was my kind of like vision that I was like oh shit like we don't need to be in a clinic like I don't need anyone to do this for me or be a boss I can do this for myself um that being said there's totally still a place for PT because this is not appropriate for I mean there's so many fields of PT that that's it too like I'm not putting anyone who's any form of a high fall risk on telehealth or like self-guided programs or people with dementia. Uh, there's neuro PT, yeah, you need some help. If you need spotting or guarding, please have a physical therapist there or somebody in a something to like catch you. So I would say that field of PT will always be there. Um, there's a plethora of options for PT from acute care, cardiac rehab, burn care, neuro rehab, pediatrics, Um, So I definitely think PT will always be there. I do think the field of orthopedic physical therapy will change dramatically. Um, I think hopefully we go away from more of the like, floofy PT. Yes, hot packs are great. You can really do that on your own at home and you don't need to go to a medical professional for that. Uh, So hopefully it can be like more streamlined. Uh, hopefully there's no more of this, like overlapping appointments situation in my ideal world. Like if I wasn't, if I was still in the clinic, I would like like 45 minutes, one-on-one with somebody the whole time versus that. Okay. 30 minutes, next person comes in 30 minutes, but they stay a whole hour. So you're still stuck managing multiple people. Um, hopefully that will change in PT. We'll see. I think more people need to get involved in PT advocacy, But there's no way you can get involved with 40 hours a week of patient care, 10 hours a week of paperwork. So I could actually get more involved now in things like PT advocacy than I could before. Um, But I just advocate by helping other PTs break away from the system. So (laughs) um, we'll see. But that's where I think kind of PT is going. It'll change up, but I think some things are definitely going to stay around. You talk about bridging the gap a lot. Do you ever see yourself going back and like being a professor in a PT program and trying to teach the things that you... Feel need to be taught that you didn't get when you were in school? Definitely Um, funny enough so I always kind of wanted to be an educator and I always thought that like to be an educator you had to do this like you know be a professor route because that's what they lay out for us right the only way you can teach is to like get some form of an academic doctorate and four more years worth of debt and then you can be a professor where they pay you like actually kind of less money sometimes than in the clinic unless you're like the research guru and you're trying to like, you know, fund millions of dollars into the university for your research. Um, That's not necessarily where my heart lies. I totally think we need things like professors doing research. I would do more of like a guest lecture. Uh, Just go in once a semester, maybe to the strength and conditioning class, something like that and talk about it. Um, I love what I do with Barbell Rehab, more of the seminars. So I get to travel all over the US and spread the message even further um if I were to do it at a college though it'd definitely be on a more of like a per diem basis or like a one class per semester um or even something like a lab you know be like a lab ta um that kind of thing but I think full-time professor wouldn't necessarily be the best route for my energy what about if you could create like your own course for to be embedded in a pc program what would it be What, what would it consist of strength and conditioning, but I would make you actually do it. So it's not just strength and conditioning principles. I want you to get yourself stronger in the course of this four months, Um, because that is what we ask from our patients left and right, right? We're like, "In, in three to four months, you'll be stronger and you'll be better. But like, if we've never challenged ourselves for four months to stick to a program, follow it through, do a pre and post testing, then you may never appreciate that process for yourself. Uh, So I would do some form of a strength and conditioning class, but honestly have it structured to be more of like powerlifting programming style or whatever movements, we can choose an overhead press too, that's a good one. Um, But like, have you run it, you know, we go and we coach each other up, things like that too, practice your cueing. You know, I think we talk too much about these things and we don't implement and act it through enough. Um, So instead of learning with internal versus external cues, I want you to use these strategies. I want you to coach each other up, make his squat look and feel stronger for him. You know, if he like, you know, is breaking down at a certain point, technique or whatever is happening, you know, see if you can make it better. Uh, Work on motor control, right? We talk like motor control, funny enough, got swept under the rug in PT school. And it's now one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, So, you know, like use all these things that you learn in all your classes and actually teach each other get stronger and then I think even like remember when we were students going to clinicals we were like terrified to talk to patients it's like start practice those skills with each other and I think you're going to get more prepared clinicians going into clinicals and then more prepared clinicians coming out of PT school so just practice it.
0: Would that be a required course for everybody?
1: (laughs) Um some form of strength training class? Yeah, definitely, you know, I get the inpatient PTs. I know that they're not as excited about barbell squatting, but them too, they gotta lift huge patients. Oh my gosh, I remember, and like, even me in the hospital, I had to pick up some 500 pound patients and like, thank God I lifted. Like, I wish I could have my belt sometimes or like guarding on the stairs. God bless, that could have been like, you know, a situation. I'm so thankful I was strong as a PT student. So, like, even if you're not going to get into strength training, it'll only help you prolong your own career. If you have to work more and you're picking people up all day, learn some solid body mechanics with this stuff. So I definitely think every type of PT would benefit from strength training.
0: That's why I asked the question, because I was like, the inpatient, inpatient, no shade to inpatient PTs at all. <laughs> but uh, I was like, no, they might argue against that strength and conditioning class. So I like how you broke that down.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny, actually. So one of my favorite patients of all time, 90 years old, deadlifted 100 pounds. So geriatrics do not underestimate the power of strength training with barbells. You can totally get it into the hands of your 80 and 90 year olds. And like, people are pushing the limits in terms of age performance. I see a lot of 90 year olds starting to lift now, whereas before that was like, oh, my gosh, you're 90 and lifting weights. Now it's like, damn, 90 year olds lifted 100 pounds. This is legit. Um, So, yeah, even, like, geriatric therapists could learn from it. Pediatrics, too. Oh, God, I think, honestly, strength training is one of the best things you can do to mitigate the risk for things like ACL tears and things like that in your, like, adolescent and um, teenager athletes, too. I really like how you said that the class should require people to do it. Um, And that brings me to my question I love to ask. Um, you know how they say if you didn't do something you can't really help, you didn't do something yourself, you can't help other people. How do you feel about that? Because I believe that and I get so much backlash for that, especially in the PT field. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think that in some capacity, you have to walk the walk. So, no, do I think every coach needs to be an elite level lifter? No, by no means. But like, do I hope to see you at least meet the World Health Organization's recommendations for like two times a week of some strength training activities, yes, like I would hope that you can walk the walk uh, in the same way that you don't want to go to the dentist with girls in their mouth, right? Because like, they're clearly not up on their care. So I think like, you know, or like if you're gonna be counseling people on things, uh, I think one of the most painful things I experienced as a child was I had like a very obese doctor tell me I was like overweight. And like, I was just a fluffy kid that liked to have dessert, but played a ton of sports. Like they could have had that conversation in such a better way. But I think that they didn't even have the best grasp on their own health skills. So I think that at least the bare minimum of walking the walk. Um, But I think also sometimes it comes from retired athletes, which can be a thing too. Like, especially like look at gymnastics coaches. If you're 16, 65, there's no way you want to necessarily do your elite level floor routine from when you were 16. But I think you can be a phenomenal gymnastics coach. So like, you know, I, I definitely think it's related to the sport. Um, But some capacity of knowing the sport. Uh, Funny enough, there's actually this really good documentary on Netflix that looks at the best coaches of all time. Uh, An interesting one is Serena Williams' tennis coach that she chose at a certain point. Did not play tennis at all, but he was a strategist of the game. He was very meticulous he knew players plays he knew when someone was gonna force someone to go to the right or the left he could tell people like predict people's patterns really well uh so that made him a phenomenal coach uh, i know football coaches that are great because they're great at statistical analysis on excel spreadsheets so those skills can also make phenomenal coaches too
0: absolutely absolutely i, I won't go there i won't go there <laughs> Uh, you've given us a lot today. Uh, If you could say one or two things that you want listeners to take away from this conversation today, what would you say?
1: Um, Definitely, like, don't be afraid to create opportunities for yourself and then take advantages of the opportunities that come your way. Uh, That's how the biggest things in life will really come your way. And then above all else, work hard. You know, everyone respects the hard worker in the room. And, you know, some things may come out of luck, but I don't believe that the best things come out of luck. You got to work for them. So Always keep your head down, work hard, and then turn those L's into W's.
0: Stay ready so you don't have to get ready.
1: Exactly. You know how it's done.
0: Uh huh. Where can uh, people find you if they have other questions or they want to get in contact with you?
1: Definitely. My personal Instagram is soph.squats. So that's S-O-P-H dot squats with an S, not the Z or anything like that, Uh, or through my business page at Collaborative Strength, spelled exactly how it sounds, Um, and that's it.
0: And we'll put all those in the show notes when this drops. Key, you got anything else you want to add?
1: No, I just want to say I really enjoyed this conversation and thanks for coming along. Awesome. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. I'm so sorry. Thank God this call came at the wrong time. But uh, thank you so much for having me here and I appreciate it. I had a blast chatting with you guys and you know, always here as a reference for anyone, even if you don't want to work with questions, things like that. I just like helping people get to where they want to be.
0: Appreciate you. We'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Key and Mang Audio Experience. Thank you for tuning
1: in to another episode of the Key and Mang Audio Experience. Make sure to subscribe, give us a five star rating and review, and we'll catch you in the next episode.